Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not, episode number 37. 37. Hey, we're so happy that you are here. Thank you for listening. We're so glad you are. And we have an amazing guest today on the show. Her name is Michelle McCarver. And I am so glad to tell you she is a personal friend of mine that I met about seven years ago or eight years ago or something like that. And we are both music teachers and we met through organization of different workshops and music methodologies. And she's the kind of person, she just has the joy of the Lord in her countenance. And even from the very first time I met her, she made such an impression on me of her sweet smile, of her welcoming demeanor, and her welcoming to everyone that she meets. She's just not only the kind of music teacher I hope to be like, but honestly, she's just a godly and wonderful woman to be around. And so we're so excited you get to experience Michelle today as she tells us her story. She's going to tell her story about um, dealing with infertility and the trial it took to get to the end result of having children. It's a hard one for people if you've ever dealt with anything like that, but there's joy at the end and there's um, just perseverance all the way through. So you will love it. It's going to be very encouraging. So we hope you enjoy and here we go. Michelle, thanks so much for coming tonight. Hello, I'm glad to be here. We are double glad because um, <laughs> you're just such a wonderful friend. I have been excited to hear your story on our show, and I admire you so much, um, not only as a friend, but also in another realm as a music teacher. So I am just very feeling excited, a little bit fangirling that Michelle McCarver's here. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So anyway, we would love for you to start off tonight with telling our listeners a little bit about you. Just kind of introduce yourself to them and let them know who you are and what makes you tick. Sure. Uh, I'm an an Arkansas girl, born and raised um, in Fort Smith, Arkansas. I was thankfully raised in a Christian home and uh, and family. All I've ever known was the gospel message. I just kind of grew up knowing it, so knowing it and knowing those truths about His Word. Um, at age eight is when I first made a profession of faith and began the journey of learning what it meant to walk with Christ. Mm. Uh, and as you know, sometimes those walks are easy walks. They're downhill walks. And sometimes those walks are challenging walks of uphill and through the mm-hmm. valleys. And, and then they're, thankfully, those walks in the sand. And God has always been gracious to surround me with Christian family and friends that have been just in the inner circle with me to help us all persevere in our walks with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are you married? Married. Uh, I met my husband in college at the University of Arkansas. Go we, Razorbacks. That's right. I could call the hogs for you say, if you you'd like. Call the <laughs> Uh, we met through the Baptist Collegiate Ministry on campus and just within the same circle of friends and got to know each other and spent a lot of weekends playing spades and uh, <laughs> flag football and ultimate frisbee and things like that and just got to know each other and dated for about two and a half years and then got married just right after college. It was three days after I finished my student teaching oh my and goodness. moved to Tulsa where he got wow. had a job in oil and gas, so... 
That's and then great. we've been, we just celebrated 13 years. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And so I know that the fact that you have two children kind of leads us into the bulk of what you would probably be wanting to share with our listeners tonight. And we are really grateful that you are going to talk about this. And I know that there's a lot of emotional layers with this. So just thank you for opening up and, and please, will you tell us about just the journey of that you've been on with your kids? It's been a long journey. Uh, we started back, I guess, four years into our marriage talking about wanting to have children. I was born with a heart condition that kind of slowed the process a little bit because I, I was born with an undeveloped heart valve, and so I had heart surgery with, to have a mechanical valve, and because of that, was put on blood thinner so that there wouldn't be any clotting around my valve. When you are on blood thinner, you know, obviously it's an oral medication, so Mm -hmm. it goes in through the uterus. So we had to kind of check things out with my cardiologist because at one time they were suggesting if I ever wanted to get pregnant, surrogacy would be the best way to go about it. But I obviously wanted to at least try to Mm -hmm. carry my own um, prayerfully, see if it was the Lord's will. And my cardiologist said, let's just go and try. If you get a positive pregnancy, there are other types of blood thinners that you can take that won't enter the placenta. It's an injectable form. So So, it wasn't necessarily dangerous for you to carry. It was just going to be tricky to Yes. Yep. So the Coumadin, which is what I'm normally on, Mm -hmm. is best for mom, but not for baby. Mm -hmm. And then the Lovenox, which is an injectable blood thinner, is obviously best for the baby, not as great for mom. So you just have to take extra precautions and things like that. So after we were checked out with a cardiologist, we decided to go off birth control and see if it was the Lord's will. And I remember that morning that I went off birth control and God brought the scripture, Psalms 27, 14 to mind, wait on the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And when he gave me that, it's like, oh my goodness, what does wait mean? Does wait mean that it's going to be weeks, which obviously I hoped. Is it going to be months? Is it going to be years? And um, unfortunately, it was the latter. It it took us about seven years from start to finish before we had our first miracle baby. And those seven years, looking back, there were times that I didn't handle it the way that I wish that I would have. Uh, There were times that obviously I was so thankful for the Lord and the foundation that I have on Him, or else I, I really would have gone to an extremely dark place. And, um, and I'm, you know, some women go that long and are still without a child. So mm-hmm. I feel blessed, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So that during that seven years, did you get pregnant at all and, not, and it didn't come through? Or did you just not get pregnant at all for seven years? Okay, great question. So, yes. So let me go back. So after we had started the process of trying to get pregnant, most gynecologists will say try for a year, and if you don't get pregnant that first year, then we need to talk about fertility medications. And so uh, after a year, we went back, and they put me on Clomid. Clomid is a just an oral fertility medication that causes you to ovulate. So I don't want to belittle this step in my fertility journey because this is where the roller coasters of emotions started. You start out at the beginning of the month with good vibes and positive thinking and dreams of it working. I was looking at the calendar and thinking about when their due date might be or what I would 
look like that season, third and third trimester. Uh, then a month later, clear evidence once again that it didn't work. Uh, I also didn't have very regular cycles. So at 30 days, uh, I would wonder if I was pregnant and take a, a pregnancy mm. test and then obviously negative pregnancy and then start my period a few days later. Mm-hmm. Were some of the months kind of easier to take or were, was it every single time so sad, every single time? How did you feel? Yes, I would say definitely every single month it was just that like just so sad. Yeah. gut-wrenching, mm-hmm. okay, what's the hold up here? You know, and you start asking yourself questions too. Is this God's sign that I shouldn't have, shouldn't get pregnant? You know, is it dangerous to me to, for mm-hmm. me to be pregnant because of my heart condition? Um, so, you know, you start to, to just prayerfully wonder, is this the Lord's will for us not to continue pursuing this and, and then to pursue other, other methods too? But I realized with Clomid, it finally clicked that I wasn't having regular periods. I wasn't having regular cycles. So that's a, you know, a woman's health issue. Mm-hmm. And after, I guess we did, we did several rounds of Clomid. My gynecologist then suggested for me to go to a fertility doctor to explore if I was having any women's health issues. And then to also look at other rounds of fertility, other options. So he recommended a fertility doctor in the area, and it was just really the Lord's providence as to where who he suggested, because to me it was just a name. But once I met him and understood his practice, it was the best place for me to be because he treated me as an individual, not just some other gal that was walking through the door with a pre-subscribed set of solutions, mm-hmm. but what truly is going to be Michelle's best go at, at getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. And that was really helpful. So um, he gave some medications that might help like thyroid and vitamin D and things like that that also go into uh, good reproductive health. And while I was on just medication, I ended up getting pregnant. I mean, it just came out of the blue. And I thought, okay, God, this is this is you. Like, you did this. So you, I didn't need fertility medication after all. Uh, and it was just such a time of praise for him that he gave me this child. Mm-hmm. So we couldn't wait, obviously, to tell our family and let them know that they were going to be, that our parents were going to be grandparents and to tell our siblings. And through getting to tell our siblings, we found out that Lance's brother and sister-in-law were also expecting. And that we were all within two weeks as sister-in-law. And I actually had the very same due date. That was super exciting at that time to think about having cousins grow up together and having these pregnancy bellies together and just thinking about good memories that we were going to get to make. And we decided at the 12 week part is when we would then tell other friends Mm -hmm. and family, extended family. And we were going to be traveling out of town to, to tell the news. Well, the day before my 12 week date, I started spotting. And at first I thought, and Lance thought too, Lance is my husband, that it might be the blood thinner because we were right. told that the blood thinner might cause spotting to not be alarmed. So it was a Friday when that happened and Lance was at work and he said, just go to the ER, have an ultrasound just for peace of mind before we hit the road. So I went 
um, to the ER for an ultrasound. The technician walked in and did the ultrasound and walked out basically just as quickly without a word. So I immediately called Lance and, and told him, I don't have a good feeling about this. Mm-hmm. And shortly afterwards, the doctor walked in and said words that I will never forget. He said, unfortunately, I don't have very good news for you. There was no heartbeat. And the feeling that I felt, mm-hmm. it was just almost an outer body experience in a way. I just remember curling up in the fetal position, just gut wrenched crying um, because I just didn't understand. I was asking questions like, why did God take this baby, this miracle baby away from me, away from us? Why was he going to allow me to watch my sister-in-laws carry their baby and I not have one to hold? It just seemed like such a cruel trick. (sighs) What did I do wrong to lose the baby? You know, you ask, asking these questions due to the fact that I was on blood thinner, they were afraid that if they sent me home to just to pass the baby on my own, that I might hemorrhage. So they sent me straight to the hospitals, which meant an ambulance drive to another hospital. Was Lance able to get there to be with you? He was. After I got to the hospital, he was able to be there. But it was just hard, you know, to hear doctors and nurses talk amongst each other. And you know what they're talking about is they're passing Mm -hmm. me along. And, um, yeah, it's just... Horrible. It was really what started, I think, one of the darkest parts of my life. Um, How many years into you trying was that? I was two years in at that point. Okay. Two years in, and that um, that experience, after getting pregnant on our own, we came out of it ready to try again mm-hmm. and thought, well, if we did get pregnant on our own, then maybe we can get pregnant on our own again. So we tried for about six to eight more months to try to get pregnant on our own before we decided to then go back to the fertility clinic, go back to our doctor. And he then uh, thought IUI might be a good Mm -hmm. option for us. And for those of you that don't know, IUI is artificial insemination. So they give fertility medication to help develop the eggs to where you can hopefully get a very good egg Mm -hmm. that releases. And then the sperm is then injected into the uterus in hopes that you can have a baby that way. Right. So we did several rounds of that. We did six different rounds, three with no fertility medication, just the sperm injected in, and then three with a stronger fertility med. It's, it ties it up in a nice little short sentence, but we're talking about, what, six months there or, or even longer? Or right. It's um, a good long chunk of time. Yes. And most fertility doctors won't do, you know, you have one month that doesn't work. You won't jump back in the next month because your body you needs to, to come down. Mm-hmm. Yes. Your body needs to come and down. And with all of that, that medication, what was that doing to your hormones and to your moods? Oh, yeah, I know. Right. That? It was just all over the map. So Lance was gracious to say that I was pretty even kill, but I know his nose is probably growing like Pinocchio, you know, (laughs) he's being really sweet, but anyway. So after the IUI wasn't working, what, what was the next step after that? So I mentioned to you that my fertility doctor was really big into women's health. That was really important to him. So at that point he thought before we move to the next step of IVF, let's just do some further investigating and see if you have anything going on like endometriosis. Mm -hmm. And so they can check for that through a laparoscopic surgery. So they did a laparoscopic surgery and sure enough, I did have endometriosis and actually quite a lot of it. 
during the laparoscopic surgery, they're able to remove to scrape a lot of it out. And if you're not familiar with endometriosis, it's a scar tissue that there really is no real reason why you have it, and some don't. It's just something mm-hmm. that that your body and it causes. can hinder an egg having yes. a safe place to stay. Yes, it just okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, and it can certainly cause infertility okay. from happening in irregular periods, which I also had. So he removed the endometriosis and then also saw something called a septum in my uterus, almost like a deviated septum, you know, that you might okay. have in your nose, but it's something that you're born with and you don't realize that you have it until oh. you get, get pregnant. It's known to cause miscarriages mm. too. So after that, they pretty much figured out that that's probably what caused my miscarriage at 12 Mm. weeks was the septum. So he was able to remove that, which is a big blessing. Because there was so much endometriosis, they had to then do what's called a Lupron shot, which basically depletes your body of estrogen and to kill off any endometriosis that's left. So this is an eight-month process where I just went in once a month for, for a shot, and basically put my body through menopause. I mean, I was having the wow. night sweats and oh my goodness, um, the hot flashes. Fun. It was oh. not fun. Yeah, oh. it was certainly not fun. And I'd like to say that I handled that part of my life well, but that's just simply not true. That was <laughs> certainly, honestly, spiritually, the hardest part. Because sure. you know, at this point, my sister-in-laws that I was pregnant with the first time, they were now pregnant with their second child. Then I had women that I worked with that, you know, really young women that were pregnant and so mm-hmm. baby showers and things like that, which I'm so happy for them. But at the same time, it was obviously just a reminder of what I, you know, selfishly wanted for myself of too course. that I was yes. walking through. I would say to had I had this part of my life to go back and redo what you know, if I could redo it, what I would redo is I would have allowed Lance and I to do some marriage counseling. Not that we had a really bad marriage because we didn't. We had an excellent marriage. We have an excellent marriage. But when you go through such a difficult time, man, that's just such that's the, what the enemy loves the most mm-hmm. to, to work in mm-hmm. and to be able to cause division. And, to try um, to steal and kill and destroy. You got it. And he and he did his darndest <laughs> to try to steal, kill, mm-hmm. and destroy. And there were certainly times that we wondered at this stage, is this going to work? You know, um, thankfully, our marriage was built on a foundation of Christ. Had mm-hmm. it not been, I'm I'm fairly certain it may have ended differently. You know, at that point. So, any difficulty that anybody goes through. I just can't say enough about counseling and and reaching out and having that support. I think it's just so so vital. And such a wise thing. Such a wise move. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. So after that, then we were able to finally move to the next step of IVF. And in vitro fertilization, everything's done on the the outside. It's a two-step procedure. The first step is called the egg retrieval, and the second step is called the transfer. But in the egg retrieval... The woman is on fertility medications to try to get as many eggs as possible. The goal is to to get as many eggs as you can. And during the retrieval part, you're underneath general anesthesia. 
and they go and they take all the eggs out and then they have the sperm and everything's basically done in the petri dish <laughs> all the magic <laughs> and um and then they the clinics will watch it for a few days and see if they begin to grow and if they begin to grow then hopefully turn into an embryo and then they it can be transferred there's two different types of transfers that they do. One is called the fresh transfer, which is done just a few days after the retrieval, which is why it's called fresh. And then the second type is called the frozen transfer. And everything's the embryos are frozen, and then a few months later, they can come back and transfer them in. And the decision based on should you do a fresh or a frozen is basically based on really what the couple wants, but to how the woman's body's responding if she is if her uterus seems to be in a okay environment, mm-hmm. then they'll go ahead and transfer them in. But if it seems to be what they call hyperstimulated, then they'll wait for the uterus to kind of simmer down a little bit and then they'll right. transfer the embryos in. So luckily I was able to do a fresh transfer. And so after we did that fresh transfer, they gave us a picture, a microscopic picture of our embryos. It was just the coolest thing to get to see exactly what those embryos look like. How many were there? There were two, We implanted two okay. embryos. So there was a definite possibility for twins. Right. And also, you know, if any of them split, then could could have been oh, a little bit different. More. <laughs> different scenario. <laughs> but we weren't going to think about that. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I had this really neat microscopic picture of these embryos. And I just remember every night praying over this picture, putting my hand over each embryo and praying for each of them, putting my hands on my belly and praying for both of them. It was a really sweet time of basically being pregnant, although it's not, wasn't obviously affirmed at that point, but having these embryos inside and and dreaming about it working. Mm, Right. Mm -hmm. So 10 days later, we got the results and Lance and I obviously were on pins and needles as we listened to this message. We had our fertility doctor leave us a voicemail with it so that we could listen to it together and all of a sudden, as we're listening, we hear negative. Oh, and it wow. was just like the rug was swept underneath our feet. We just did not expect that one bit. And I just remember going into the bedroom, and I didn't want to talk to God. I didn't want to talk to my husband even, although obviously wasn't mad at him. I just didn't have anything to say. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to talk to any anyone. I just wanted to be still and to be quiet and be look, like, wow, like, you know, yeah. like what what Process is going it. on? Yeah. I just did not understand it. I realized in that moment what I always knew. It's not praying the right prayer. It's not quoting the right scripture. It's not seeking the Lord so many minutes a day because God could have said yes and he could have granted us what we wanted, but he frankly wasn't doing it. And for it was for reasons that I didn't know, and obviously for reasons that I still don't know. But but what I learned through all of this is that it's okay to tell God exactly what was on my mind. It's okay to say that I'm frustrated because he already knows it. He already knows my thoughts. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't going to be a surprise to him. And being able to say, I don't understand what you're doing, opens up the conversation, you know, mm-hmm. for, for me to be able to communicate with him in a place that I was raw 
and frustrated, but yet be able to just sit in his peace and see him as that refuge that and that covering that I needed. How long did it take you to get to that point? It took, you know, it's one of those things when you know the truth, when you've mm-hmm. been in the word, and so God's spirit just brings that to mind. Mm-hmm. So it really wasn't long before I began just kind of ministering to myself and preaching to myself the things that I knew. But you have that fluctuating of right. you're doing, you're ministering, you're, you're telling yourself all the things that you know, but then again, that flesh side of, oh, but this still like hurts. Well, it's like going through the grief process over you're and right. over and going through all those stages yeah. over and over. You're right. So yeah, it's, you just feel like a yo-yo going back and forth. Did you and Lance choose to tell a small circle of friends or a large circle of friends all of this whole process, or did you keep this That's just a, as a small circle, just you and Lance and the Lord? That's a great question. We told our parents. We just wanted their support as we walked through. One, we wanted to make sure they were okay with us doing IVF. Um, and two, they walked the whole journey with us. Mm-hmm. We've just felt like we owed it to them to mm-hmm. let them know this was going on. But that's where we stopped it because it's, it is hard when it doesn't work. And then you have to go and tell this person that it didn't work and this person that it didn't work. Right. And but you don't want to like, walk it alone either. Right. And I'm so sure that was our compromise. Well, many questions it. may have been even harder. Just people that didn't know what to say or how to ask or what to not say would have made it even worse possibly. So Yes, and we definitely experienced a lot of that. Just everybody has good intentions. They don't mean to intentionally hurt you. But I think sometimes they just don't know what to say, and so they just try to say something. And sometimes just saying something, just be there. You know, That's really Mm -hmm. the best thing that you could do is just Mm -hmm. pray and just be there for them. So what did you do after that crushing disappointment, the IVF, 10 days later, it didn't work. So what did you, what's the next? What'd you do? So we obviously prayed about it. We were trying to decide at that point if we should do another round or not. Some people, when they do the egg retrieval, they have enough eggs built up that they have several embryos that mm-hmm. they could then implant later. We they, didn't have that luxury. They freeze some of them for later? Yes, you're right. They'll freeze some of them and then they can implant them at another, another date. We didn't quite have that luxury. All we had were the two that we implanted then. So the options were adoption or to do another full round of IVF. And I just kept going back to that verse that he gave me that very first day that we tried, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And um, another Bible study that I've been in for years upon years, Bible Study Fellowship, we had done a study just recently over the life of Moses And so God was just reminding me of the Israelites walking through the desert, Mm. waiting for the promised land. And the promised land could have been adoption for me, but I just sense like we needed to give it one more time, whether it be so that we could just be a comfort to somebody else going through IVF a couple of times, or whether it be that there is a promised child at the end of it. But we just... Strongly, both of us sensed that the Lord was saying, one more IVF, and then we'll take it to the next step. So we went ahead and did our second transfer, 
And I'm glad to say (laughs) this is where God revealed himself as deliverer and Mm -hmm. as promise keeper and as faithful. Not that he wasn't those things throughout the seven years, but this is when we got to really see it. Um, This is when we got that final positive pregnancy test. So this is when we decided to go ahead and do our second transfer. And it was nice to go through it again in a way and already know what to expect. That was easier to have been through it once. Two, just the fear of this might not work again. That when we went for the transfer, once again, we did the fresh transfer. We were able to do a fresh transfer and when we showed up that day, it just seemed so much like our, our egg retrieval and transfer experience from before. So I just had a feeling in my mind like this wasn't going to work again. Um, How many did you have that time? I had, we had definitely two, and then there were two other ones that may make it. Okay. And they said that they were going to watch it one more day. So I went into the transfer with tears rolling down my cheeks and Mm. Lance just kept saying, be encouraged. Like we have two, you know, that's all we need anyway. So, you know, I just, anyway, it's just hard, you know, when you are, your heart's just beaten and you're trying to be positive, but then again, at the same time, you're guarding your heart as well. Mm -hmm. Sure. So uh, they implanted the two. You've just been disappointed so many times. Right. Yeah. Um, So they implanted the two. I got my picture again. And same thing as before, prayed for those embryos every night, put my hands on the picture, put my hands on my belly, and um, just was hopeful that perhaps this was God giving me this gift. The day that we had the the pregnancy test to see if we were pregnant. We have to go into the clinic for a blood test for that. Lance had an interesting experience that morning when he was getting into his truck and he got inside and he had this smell, the way he describes it, just come over himself when he got into the truck and it smelled, he said it smelled like his grandfather's tractor Hmm. (laughs) and his grandfather's last name is Dawson, which will be important in just a little bit. And so Lance said, it's like, I just thought that was kind of strange. But then again, it reminded me that maybe this is the Lord saying this is it. And that afternoon, I began to have a little bit of a peace and just this excitement that maybe this is it. So we once again, we got the call from the fertility doctor. We let it go to voicemail so that we could listen to it together. And we were just so casual when we listened to it, it kind of seems crazy looking back. We decided to go get ice cream that night. So we got in the car and we decided we would just listen to the voicemail on the way to go get ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) So I clicked to listen to the voicemail and didn't realize that my transcript for a voicemail was going to pop up. I didn't intend to read it, but all of the sudden the word positive just (gasps) comes out of the blue (laughs) from the transcript message. So I'm like, you know, I'm just freaking out before the message even start. The voicemail even started. So Lance basically learned just by watching from my <laughs> response. <laughs> but um, what it was just such a surreal time to to be able to be get that 
first positive pregnancy test from fertility mm-hmm. and to have that hope again that maybe this is it. You know, maybe we will oh. carry this baby this time. What a great moment. Yes, it was. <laughs> so we got our ice cream and then called our parents <laughs> and let them know that it worked and so they could join with us in prayer. And nine months later, had a perfectly healthy baby boy that we named Dawson. Dawson. Nice. Um, so it was obviously a family name on Lance's side and definitely super important. And this little boy's two years old now. So 11 months after Dawson was born is when we implanted the remaining two embryos. And I should say, we were able to have two frozen embryos from the transfer that we did with Dawson. So those embryos that they were watching that next day did end up working. So we uh, got ready to implant those two. And leading up to the transfer, God gave me the word flourish. And I'm not really even sure... Where that when that word started circulating in my mind, but it was what I began praying as we were getting ready for that transfer. In my quiet times during that time, I was concentrating on the Psalms and reading through them to highlight God's attributes. The day of the transfer, no kidding, the Psalm that morning was Psalms one fifteen fourteen, which says, "May the Lord cause you to flourish." both you and your children. Wow. Oh, I love that. And I just couldn't believe it. I just thought what comfort that brought me to know that God was reinforcing that word in my heart and mind. And so I immediately wrote number two for pregnancy number two, September 4th, 2018. It's in my Bible to see every time I open it up to that chapter. And 10 days after this transfer, we found out we were pregnant again. And what I love about about this is the prayer of flourishing for me, um, what was for me, but it was also for my children. So now we have this little girl named <laughs> Mary Ella, who she's actually named after both my grandmothers. I have one grandmother named Mary and another one, Eleanor. And um, so this prayer of flourishing, obviously for me, but too, it said for me and my children. So I've already begun praying for my grandchildren, for mm. Mariella's children. Um, yeah. yeah. I just um, just think that that's just so sweet from the Lord because to give me that word and then just to encourage me that morning of mm-hmm. that transfer and then now looking back and it being a girl and knowing that I'm already praying for her pregnancies or whatever direction that the Lord takes her. That's beautiful. So beautiful. So those pregnancies after you um, had the IVF, did they go smoothly? Was it just like a normal pregnancy for you? They really did. My body actually did well. The The hardest part was because of my heart condition. Mm-hmm. Obviously, my gynecologist, fertility doctor were concerned for blood clotting and you know hemorrhaging at delivery. So I had a lot more appointments than just the average gal. Sure. Uh, it's definitely a high-risk patient. And um, when I got closer to the due date, I did a cesarean just so that it could be very well controlled Um, and longer hospital stays and things like that, too, afterwards, just to make sure that blood blood wise that I was doing well. But as far as the pregnancy itself, if it wasn't for the heart issue, it was great. I didn't Mm -hmm. have any problems. It was a very healthy pregnancy. Praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. Both kiddos in utero did well. There wasn't really any concerns there. 
So thankfully, that was one easy part of the whole process. (laughs) So good. Uh, One thing that I wanted to ask you about, I remember seeing a really sweet post on Facebook, on your Facebook page, that the gist of it, what I got from it, was just how grateful you were and how worth it Mm -hmm. your babies, Mm -hmm. how worth it Mm -hmm. the whole process has been. And the picture showed many of the needles or syringes, or what's the right term, that you had had to use during the process. And I just would love for you to talk about that and kind of what that meant to you, what, how it meant a lot to you. Yes. So what Robin is talking about, I had the injections that I had to do for, to eat, for the retrievals and even for the transfer. And after the transfer, you do a progesterone shot just to make sure that the uterus is a nice, safe environment, you know, for mm-hmm. your baby. But I kept all those needles And then the needles that I was using for blood thinner, I kept all of those too. And after both kiddos were born, I put the needles in the shape of a heart around them. And just that picture for myself to know that every one of those needles was worth it for this precious baby that I'm looking at and this precious smile. And um, so... Yes, that was for me, but also, you know, putting it on Facebook to break the silence, to let Mm -hmm. other people know Mm -hmm. that are going through fertility, to bring them encouragement that it can work, but just to also know that, that God is, God is faithful in whatever direction that he takes you. And we very easily, it could have been the adoption road for us. And that would have been wonderful too, uh, it could have been other rounds of IVF, you know, if that was the direction that he took for us too. But so thankful that we have our two. So thankful to be on this side of infertility and for it to be behind us um, and have these two babies to, to hold. I'm so thankful for that too, for mm-hmm. you. So happy for you. So what advice would you give to women that are dealing with this or have family members maybe that are dealing with it? Mm-hmm. I would say... To be honest with the Lord, if they if they follow Him, to be honest with Him about their thoughts and emotions, to express everything to Him, um, and to continue seeking Him through word and prayer. Because like I mentioned before, if it had not been for the Lord, I would have fallen apart. I know I would have. Two, to be honest with your husband about how you're feeling. Two people go through this, not just the woman, but the husband mm-hmm. too, and they they process things differently, but just to open up that wave of communication with him, mm-hmm. to check up on him and for him to check up on y'all, on her too. And like I mentioned earlier, consider getting counseling and that that's nothing to be ashamed of, but that support is a very healthy thing and can be a certainly a very helpful thing. Also, there are wonderful fertility support groups. I'm a part of one here in the Tulsa area. So if If you are trying to get pregnant and just going through the struggle, contact your fertility clinic, and they'll probably know of a good support group to contact. Um, And then the last thing, don't ever apologize for your emotions or think you have to process this a certain way. Uh, Be transparent. Break the silence. um, Grieve however you need. I went through, like I mentioned, some really, really dark times. I was discouraged. I was just thought that this was never going to work. Um, 
yelled out at the Lord, uh, that's okay, you know, to go through those emotions because it's through those emotions that then bring you back to a better place. Mm-hmm. Right. One thing that I am mulling over and just thinking, isn't it so interesting that it was seven years? Mm-hmm. And seven is such a significant number. Um, one of the examples of God's faithfulness was when Jacob was waiting for his wife, Rachel, and he worked for her for seven, seven years. years. And the number seven in the Bible is found in seven days of creation. And um, seven, well, there are many, many Bible stories that have mm-hmm. that significant number. And his faithfulness has shown such a personal way mm-hmm. to you and Lance. Mm-hmm. And it was a long, hard mm-hmm. <laughs> seven years. Right. But yet, wow, what a story you have to tell now for his glory that you wouldn't have had if it had been that very first time that you read your Psalm twenty seven fourteen. if you had then been four weeks later on your merry way. So yeah. this seven years, I wonder what, what all the purposes and the things that God will do as your years unfold, as he uses your story, as he, hopefully you listeners today, (laughs) hopefully someone is saying, this is for me, Mm -hmm. that God is encouraging you. He sees you. Mm -hmm. He sees you just like he saw Hagar, the maidservant of Sarah that was banished to the desert and gave up hope. And and he saw her and she Mm -hmm. said, you are the God who sees me. So... Does it make you feel a connection with Jacob? About seven years? <laughs> I love that. I love the the number seven. And to be honest, Robin, I hadn't even really thought about that, which is crazy that I didn't think about the fact that the seven being the perfect number in Scripture and how there was a lot of work <laughs> to do. You know, going through those six days that that God did in creation, just a lot of work He had to do to in my heart. Yeah. You know, to get to <laughs> to get to the seventh day of of rest for me. Um, mm. So that's even interesting too to think about that. But I love that. God is yeah. so He's so good, mm-hmm. and your precious two children are just so beautiful. They are so beautiful. Um, I would love to get to see them in person, but I've seen just the things you post, and they're just. Darling and precious, yeah. precious. Well, I have gotten to see Mariella one sweet day when we had a music meeting, but um, they're just wonderful gifts that God has given you, and um, I just think they're very blessed to have you for a mom. I'll tell you, there are no words to describe the immense love that I have for the two of them. I'm sure it's no different than the love that any parent has for their child, but. I just feel like with mine, there's such a story to their existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you wait for something and you toil and labor over something for a long time, the reward is definitely a little more sweeter if it was easier. But this is just, it's just been sweet. It's been precious. These two still test my patience, just like with any kid. <laughs> uh, but wow, to think for so many years, I wondered if I would ever have biological children and to have one of each, a boy and a girl, has been truly incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for having me. It's been amazing. Thank, thank you. you for your time and for really being willing to go deep with all of these. These are not easy things to dredge up. So we're grateful that you were willing to, and we hope 
and Michelle's willingness to tell the story was in the hope that it would be a blessing to the listeners, that someone would know that God's faithfulness is for you too. Thanks, Michelle. Wow, there were some moments in our conversation today with Michelle that I had tears in my eyes and I had moments of just an awe of how what God has brought her through and how He has been so faithful to Lance and Michelle. One of the things that was pretty meaningful was thinking about the significance of the seven years and how it was a long and difficult time But God has done things in sevens in the Bible in many instances. And it's very special and significant that He chose to use that length of time to do this work for His purposes that some of them we may not know until heaven. Some of them He may show her little glimpses of along the way, but His faithfulness has been proven over and over again. Great is Thy faithfulness. And I'm so glad you brought that up of the seven years. That was that's really very cool. Um, I also love that sometimes God just gives us a word, like when he gave her the word, word flourish. I just think that, and then that came up in scripture. That was just, that's just what he does. Um, the Bible verse that she referenced that she was given at the very beginning, Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and wait for the Lord. Sometimes we just are supposed to wait, and it's hard, but there's beauty at the end. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you remember to rate and review and subscribe. Tell everybody you know, and we will see you again next time. Two weeks from today in April. Have a great day, y'all. Bye.